Welcome to The Friday Habit with Mark Labriola and Benjamin Manley. The Friday Habit is for small business owners, freelancers, and creatives who are ready to take their business to the next level. Join us as we discover how to apply the strategies we learn to grow our businesses, make more money, and live every day like it's Friday. Welcome to the Friday Habits. Ben, he's with us. How's it going, Mark? I'm uh, calling in from Grand Teton National Park. Nice. Yeah, I know the past few episodes you've been on the road journeying. And so I've uh, mentioned that you weren't with us, but you are with us today. So I am. Um, and you know who else is with us is Meredith Monday Schwartz. So, you know, the Friday habit, she's got the Monday habit going, you know, (laughs) and uh, she's the CEO of Here Comes the Guide, an employee-owned website showcasing top-notch wedding venues. So, Meredith, welcome to the Friday habit. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Well, you know, when we were kind of looking into, you know, your business and and just, you know, how you've grown it over the years, it sounds like you have a really awesome thing going on there. And I would love to kind of hear your story about how you even got into starting your own business and then what kind of decisions that you made to kind of bring it to where it is today. So, so yeah, I mean, I would just love for you to kind of introduce us to, to you and, and uh, here comes the guide. All right. Yeah. So I actually didn't start the business because it started back in 1989. And so it was founded by two sisters who wanted, one of them was engaged and she was like, there's got to be something out there, a place to get married that is not a country club or a church. I don't want to get married in either one of these places. And Mm. so she asked and she was getting her hair cut and her hairstylist said, you should get married on a boat. I had a friend who got married on a boat. And our founder said to herself, wait, you can get married on a boat? This is in Berkeley, California. And so that's exactly what they did. They got married on a boat and she had the idea again back in the late 80s for what was then a book called Here Comes the Guide. And it was a guide to the best places to get married. And the idea was to do exactly, this is of course pre-internet, And so they wanted to offer a lot of different kinds of venues. And so I joined them in 1997 and I was just a little baby 24 year old and I joined them as their first real employee and they had already put out a book for Northern California and Southern California. And so I joined them and then very quickly we got our first website up and running. And we went from there. We made the transition in 2008 to be, we we expanded nationally outside of California. And so we've just been growing, growing. Now we're in all 50 states in the United States. That's not true. We're not in Alaska. We don't no. have we don't have venues in Alaska. <laughs> oh <yet>. no, forty nine <laughs> states. We're in almost all of them. <laughs> yeah, that's a good angle. You could take. We're we're in almost all fifty states, <laughs> and that's plenty, right? We have sixty five hundred fantastic wedding venues that are our clients, and so we match those wedding venues to the couples who are looking to have the the perfect wedding for them. And so that's that's what we do. We've been doing it for a long time. Yes. Okay. So back in 97, when you were just an innocent, doe-eyed, you know, um, girl, what, what did you do? 
as far as like, did you go to college and then think, oh, I want to work for a startup, you know, or like, <laughs> what was your mindset back then? All right. I'm going to tell you the story, but it, it, it shines a bright light on my naivete at the time. Okay. So when I was graduating from college, I was moving with my then husband and our brand new baby to from the central part of California to the Berkeley area where my then husband was going to be going to college. And so I opened up the the yellow page. I opened up the yellow pages. The yellow pages, I love that. This was a book that used <laughs> to just lift, list phone numbers. And I started, because I had an English degree, and I was like, you know what? I want to work in the publishing industry. And so I started calling publishers in San Francisco and in the Berkeley area. And of course, absolutely no one wanted to talk to me, randomly cold calling them. But the one person who stopped to talk to me was Lynn Broadwell, our founder. And we talked for a little while and I was, I loved what the kind of book they were putting together. I had seen it in my local bookstore and I was really interested in what they were doing. And she said, look, I am not in a, at a point in my business where I can take on an, an, an employee, mm -hmm. but let's keep in touch and let's see where that goes. Meanwhile, I went and became a paralegal at a big top 10 uh, San Francisco law firm. I did that. But every three months, mm. I'm an Enneagram one. I like to follow okay. a rule. Yep. She told me to keep in touch. So it came up on my calendar. Every three months, I would call in and just say hi. And we would just shoot the, you know. And pretty soon, we had developed this great relationship over time. And about two and a half years later... I had mm. was just coming back from a trip for my law firm to do a closing in New York City. I hadn't slept for three and a half days. And I had been away from my now toddler. And it, I was just feeling really like the, the life I was living as a paralegal mm. at a top 10 law firm was just more than what I could manage while also being a mom. Right. And so as I was coming into my apartment, the phone was ringing. It was it was Lynn calling me to say, I'm ready. If you're ready, I'm ready. Come work for me. And I was like, I'll be there on Monday. And I hung up the phone, <laughs> never thought twice about it. And I started there. work on Monday and I've been there almost 26 years now. Wow. Okay. So was that kind of scary though, as far as like financially, I'm sure you're making more money at a law firm, right? Like... I, I was. They actually, when I told them that I was leaving, the law firm actually offered to double what I was making. Oh, geez. The carrot just hanging that stick like, don't leave. Don't exactly. pursue your dreams. Don't have right. work-life balance. <laughs> but you know what they said? And I loved working at this law firm. They were awesome people. Mm. But what they said was, we'll double your salary, but you have to hire a night nanny. Do you, um. do you know what a night nanny is? I'm. I, what, I don't know. I mean, I, I can assume that it's somebody who works at night. Somebody who takes <laughs> over from your day nanny and puts your puts your baby to bed and stays there. Um, and yeah, my baby girl who now is getting ready to have her second baby. She was um, two and a half, and I just knew that that wasn't the way that I. It's it's not to say there's anything wrong right. with having a good, strong, robust childcare. But for me, it wasn't the way mm -hmm. I wanted to parent. Yeah. And so I said, thank you very much. I appreciate your desire to keep me on, but I'm going to go ahead and explore this new thing. And so I did. And it has, 
obviously changed every single part of my life. Yeah. Okay. So then this was kind of like a new industry for you. You know, you'd come from, you know, the, the, the field of law, but I'm sure you had a lot of great skills as far as like organization and like, you know, seeing things. And what was your first role there when you first started and, and did, was it a full-time position or was it a part-time job or? So it was Monday through Thursday, paid hourly, just Monday through Mm -hmm. Thursday. I didn't have any PTO. I didn't have any medical insurance that we're talking about. This is a, you know, really small operation back then. Um, But what it did do is it gave me the ability, as you said, to explore a lot of my skills and abilities. So I started out basically as a, we didn't really have a job description the way that we think of it now. I mean, part of my job was to do some phone sales, having relationships with the different venues and convincing them to market themselves through Here Comes the Guide. But we also did a lot of product. We were still doing the book back then. So we did a lot of production on the book. I had to learn all the Adobe products in order to do that. Um, We were so small. There were just three of us. So we all did absolutely everything. And that is such a gift, it turns out, because when you have to figure everything out, then everything is figure outable. Yes. And that is one of our core values to Mm -hmm. this day. And it is that value runs so strongly through the the marrow that is here comes the guide. We know that whatever we decide that we want to do, we can figure out how to make it happen. It might not be super pretty right at the start. It might be a little hacky or ugly, but we're going to figure out how to get there. And then eventually it's going to, it's going to do really well. Yeah. I, and that is fantastic. And I think that it's one of those things. And and I tell a lot of young guys who are coming up this, that like, you know, they want to just quit their job and they want to, you know, go full time and, you know, be a graphic designer or video editor or, you know, shooter, whatever that is. And they really don't have like many skills yet. And, and so I see there's a element of like, man, you're going to have a hard road ahead of you if you don't, um, kind of learn some other, whether it's like, you know, personable skills or sales or, um, or even just like a work ethic of, you know, working for somebody else, showing up on time, doing all these other kind of things. Because I look at my own life and my career and man, where we are now, you know, we've been around for seven years and, uh, you know, grown the company. We, we have a few employees now and, and, um, but I look back at my life and I say, man, if I hadn't learned all these different skills throughout, you know, my life while I was kind of doing it as like a side hustle, you know, like nights and weekends, I was doing stuff. And then the relationships that I made at different jobs that ultimately benefited me when I started, you know, my own business, it, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, I had to, to learn so many things, you know, and like, like you were saying, like this mantra of like, everything is figure outable. And that's what I tell my team. Like whenever when some, someone comes to me with a problem, like, oh, this just can't be done. And I'm like, no, 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 don't say that because I know that we can solve this problem with money or time or human resources. So like, let's figure out what it's going to take and then see if we can do this, but it's, it's not impossible, you know? And so I, I love that, that mantra that everything is figure outable. Cause I, I, I truly believe it, you know? And then again, right. It's like those skills that you learn when you're small and you're just scrappy and doing things yourself. It's like, you have to learn graphic design or you have to learn, you know, Excel and you have to learn, you know, all these different aspects, how to set up an LLC and, and do all these things. And if you're able to kind of be able to do that with the, I, want, I don't want to say crutch of a job, but being able to do those things 
and have the security of being able to figure them out and not have the pressure of it being your full-time thing. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of a benefit to that. And and not saying that, you know, that wasn't your full-time thing, but it's, it's when you're young and scrappy and you have to solve problems and there is no like, well, we're just not going to do that. It's like, well, we have to figure this out. You know, it helps you grow as an individual, you know, and, and sometimes the, the pain that we experience, right. Helps us to kind of level up our lives. And so sometimes, you know, being stressed out and having that worry or anxiety, like, although it's not healthy, if we keep pushing and keep moving forward, then we can see how those things can benefit us, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I I think the fact that I have done basically every job at Here Comes the Guide at some point Mm -hmm. in my history with Here Comes the Guide gives me a really important lens on my work as the CEO because I've I've done these jobs I've sat in these seats I know what I know what the day-to-day work looks like within that job now that changes over time obviously those roles have changed the way we do the work has changed but fundamentally I understand all the pieces of what all of my people are doing Mm -hmm. and I think that's a big benefit of having been with the company for so long and been able to to build it up from the very beginning yeah. Yeah. I think it makes you a more effective leader too, you know, in the sense of having empathy for your employees and um, being able to understand and maybe even be able to brainstorm creative ideas and how to solve problems because you understand the job so well. Right. You know, it's like Ben, you know, he came up through his company being a designer and building all the sites and doing all this stuff. And then now he has several employees and it's like, all right, I, I know how to to help you solve your problems, you know, and so you're just a better leader because it's not like, well, I, I never did that part of the job, you right. know? Right, exactly. Unless you've been, unless you've sold all day long, you don't understand what it what the upsides and downsides of that are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel like that that's so helpful. It reminds me too of even like, um, so I used to play music at, at a couple different churches and I remember some of the best band leaders were the ones that knew like three or four different instruments or at least knew how to play them a little bit, you know, or had maybe even done admin on a team or run slides because they had the empathy, kind of work with the people in those positions and actually had enough knowledge to communicate well about it. So I feel like it applies to so many different things. Yeah. So when you started with them, did you ever think that you'd want, like be the CEO of the company at some point? Like, I mean... (sighs) I, I don't want to say that I had a super clear vision. I certainly never thought that first day back in 1997 that we would be where we are now with 42, 42 employees and doing what we're doing. But I know that it, early on, it was really clear that our founders' superpowers and my superpowers were really different. Mm-hmm. And that difference was really positive for the company. She was a very, very big picture. I mean, she was the one who had the idea for what we were doing, right? And I am very much about really figuring out where do we want to be and how do we want to get there? I'm I'm very much an executor. And the systems and process person. Exactly. So for a very long time, my job was to take her vision and then turn it into something that we could execute on. And so I think that that difference in our skill sets 
was a really positive thing for the company overall, even if on the daily there could be a little bit of rub because we worked in really different ways. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I could see that. So are, are the owners still involved the, or the original founders? Are they still involved or did you kind of buy them out and, and take over? Or what, is, what did that look like? Right. So in 2016, we actually the company is is um, formed. We're an ESOP. We're an employee stock stock ownership program. That's our that's our formation entity. We're an ESOP. Okay. And so because of that, we we formed that ESOP to enable us to eventually over time buy out our owner. And so in 2016, we were able to make that happen. And so in on March 31st of 2016, we bought her out entirely and we've been fully employee owned since then. Okay. All right. This is, I got a lot. Like that's awesome. I, I like this. What is this new word I haven't heard before? You know, the ESOP. It's like, okay, what what is this? And why did we decide to go that direction? How do you even know about that? You know, did you have legal counsel that like helped you through that process? Like, what what is that? Right. We absolutely did. And so our founder was instrumental in finding this structure and getting the counsel in order to make this happen because we knew she knew that she wanted an exit plan for herself, but that the company was going to want to continue to go on. We also knew something that's baked into the marrow of here comes the guide is that we we also knew that while none of us had the cash, like I didn't have $3 million <laughs> to give, right. to, give yeah. to her to buy the company, but we knew that we didn't want to take investment mm-hmm. in, in, in like a venture capital kind of way. Right. And so the ESOP has been a fantastic structure to enable us to, it's a, it's a, it's complicated. It's a complicated structure, but it has been really, really helpful. And it accomplished what we wanted it to, which was we were able to use that structure through a combination of cash and shares to be able to buy her out. Okay. And now do your other employees have some kind of stake in the company then or some shares of the company in, how does that practically work when, it, you know, so somebody is like, hey, you know, I'm going to work even harder because the company's going to grow and that means my shares are going to be worth more. Is that kind of how it works? And, you know, what are some of the details of that and how it affects employees? Right. That's exactly how it works. So one of our core values is work like an owner because you are. So once once an employee has been with us for a year, they begin to vest in to their ownership of the the shares that are put in their name into the trust. And so at the end of every year, we are able to look at our profit and we are able to take some number of that profit and put it into the ESOP as a cash contribution. So it acts as a tax shelter to a certain extent. And also every year we have our company valued. And so we get a new share price every year. And so those shares that everyone has invests into are worth more and more money over time. If we as a company are worth more and more money over time. Yeah. I like that you're building the value of a company, not, not just even profits, but the actual value of the company. Right. When people retire or if they leave us, then they, then they, take their, we pay them out for their shares. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Makes sense. That's really cool. Yeah. It's a great, it's been a great structure for us. It really has helped us to feel that everyone has skin in the game. Everyone has a reason to make the company worth more and more over time. So, 
I, I want to go back a little bit. You were you were the third employee of the company, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so now you guys are at 44. Are they W-2 like employees then? I mean, yes. Yes. They're full employees. Yes. Okay. So they're employees of the company. And so, you know, what did that look like as far as, you know, growth, you know, over the years? Um, and then at what point was it clear that you were going to kind of be the CEO and like take over the company? Right. So I took over operations of the company in 2008. So it's been a long time. Yeah. And um, our founder had a, a a role that sort of decreased with time. Mm-hmm. And so by the time we bought her out, it, it didn't represent a fundamental change to the running of the company. It was just a legal matter right. at that point. And we grew slowly and we, we started our, our national expansion in early 2010 and we knew that it was going to take some time for that national expansion to take hold enough to be making enough money so that we could afford to hire more people. And so I, because we're fully bootstrapped, it's a matter of you don't hire until you can afford to hire someone. You don't, you you know, we're not working on venture capital where we can just grow and grow and hope for the best. Right. And so we, just grew really slowly over time. And actually, weirdly, the biggest period of growth that we've had timed itself right at COVID. And so COVID, obviously, we're in the wedding wedding industry, right? Venue, like, you know, event thing. Yes. So COVID was the scariest thing that could possibly happen in our industry. And we we only have one real competitor. Our our competitor is the sort of big gorilla in the in the room right and so they have like 7500 employees and we have we had like 30 at the time and so when covid hit we took very different ways of dealing with what happened mm. and the fact that we went the direction that we went where we were really just interested in taking care of our clients and managing helping them manage through the crisis it ended up being a real game changer. And we had a huge number of people come to us and that enabled us, that timed with where our SEO rankings were for a lot of the keywords that we needed really, really came together. And in early 2021 and all the way through the middle of 2022, we ended up hiring 12 people and which is a huge number of people for a tiny company, right? That represented a large percentage of our workforce. And so not only did we not have to let anyone go during COVID, but we were able to grow tremendously during that time. And now we are, the other thing that happened during that period of time during COVID is we started our four-day work week. In November of 2020, for a variety of reasons, it made a lot of sense for us to go to a Monday through Thursday work week, paying everybody full time, but only working four days. And so that we did kind of as a test, but then we found that we were more productive than ever and Mm -hmm. we were more profitable than ever. And so we have now decided to make that permanent. So we are, we, we work a four day work week and, you know, again, we're, we're rocking profit margins that we'd never seen before. Um, Okay, so there, I mean, there's just so much here that I want to unpack with you, but I, I kind of want to go back again. You know, it's like it's like okay, there's all these little moments that I'm thinking like, okay, how did that work? So you guys were like a physical book, right? That was distributed in California, 
And then as you like, and especially in like in the mid to late nineties, right. The internet is kind of still laughed at as like, is this going to be a thing? You know, it's just kind of a nerd message board, you know, kind of deal. You know, what point did you guys move online? And, and then, you know, you said you guys started expanding in 08, right? So at that point you're like, okay, I'm assuming it by 08 you're online and you're, you know. Right. We actually launched our first website in 1998. So less than a year after okay. I started with the company, as soon as I got there, it was just really apparent to me. It was apparent to everybody at the time that every company needed a website, right? This was what yeah. everybody was doing. The question at the time was whether or not we were going to basically put up a paywall over our content, right? Because so everything we'd been doing had been in a book, which you had to buy in a bookstore. Right. But how do you do that online in 1990, early 1998 to figure out, you know, so the idea at first was we'll put it on and we'll kind of put a paywall and we'll charge the, the couples to use, you know, to, to, to get use of this content. And very quickly, it became clear that that was not going to be the way to go. And so we removed the paywall. And that's when we started charging the venues, not only to be in our book, but to to be on our website. And so by early 2000, we were, that was a serious source of income for us. And by 2008, it was clear that that was really the direction that we needed to be going entirely. It was clear to me when I took over the company. Yeah. At that point, we did books. We also did four color magazines. I stopped all of the four color magazine print projects and because they were just bleeding profit. And I went, had, had us go all in on digital and having people pay us to market on our website, having venues pay us to market on our website. And that's what we've been concentrating on all of that time is slowly moving ourselves in that direction. And it was really in 2020 that we finally stopped doing the books at all so it was it was in 2020 that we were fully and completely digital only so it was a really long slow turn of the Mm. ship yeah which which i love and i think this is a great reminder to because i get caught in this trap right i i'm constantly thinking like okay we're never making as much money as i i want us to be making and we're never growing as fast as i want us to be growing and you know, I'm constantly like, okay, what, like, how do I make this thing go faster? You know, it's like, it's like going, you know, but I'm like, I really need to figure out how to make this thing go faster. But in the same way, I would say over the past, you know, seven years, seven and a half years, there's been so much benefit and we've learned so much by growing slow. It's like, we almost have like deeper roots because of it and have been more stable, you know, over the past seven years, opposed to, I've seen so many guys come and go over this past, you know, decade who started their own thing and then it just quickly burned out or, you know, they tried to, to grow too fast and then it completely flopped, you know? And so I think that's just a great reminder of, you know, to be more present, to be more patient, to, to slow down and be okay with it not being this explosive, massive, like growth thing, but see this, the slow grow as a blessing, Right. And and I got to say, the money piece of it is such a really big piece, right? And so for me, for Here Comes the Guide, we knew early on that we always wanted to be bootstrapped, not just because we didn't want someone else controlling us, but also because when you are bootstrapped, you are forced to be patient unless there's a unless you have the cash not to be patient. It 
it puts you into that box. You have to be patient. You have to be really clear on the results that you're looking for. You can't just grow in every direction all at once because you can't afford to. So right. it, it forces you to do business in the smartest way possible, in my opinion. I, I think it is such a gift to not have somebody's checkbook open because when that happens, it is so easy to make decisions that over time you'll look back on and say, if only we'd taken more time to do X, Y, or Z, or if only we'd been more focused in on a couple of lines of revenue instead of trying to do all things at once. And very frankly, from a culture perspective, the best thing that ever happened to Here Comes the Guide was slow growth. And in fact, right now, even now, we had, as I told you, we had that big growth in, in 2021, and I now have put a full hiring freeze on because when you grow really quickly, you can, you risk losing the culture that you're trying so hard to create. Mm. And so we, I just feel I'll, you know, my gut just told me we need to slow our role because we need to protect what we're trying to create here. We're not trying to create a company that someone's going to want to buy. We're trying to create a company that we all want to work in for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And so that quick growth piece is a really quick way to lose the culture that you're trying to protect. So for me, the, the fact that we have always been bootstrapped has been the biggest gift possible. Yeah. Speaking of things that kind of force you to work smarter, I'd love to hear more about the four-day week, week, work week that you do and how that practically worked. You know, how are you able to cut down 20% of your work time out of what you're doing? Was it that you guys were already so profitable that it didn't hurt you at all? Or was it like, all right, we got to figure out we're so tight on schedule, but let's cut these low priority things? Or what did that look like practically to switch from five days a week to four days a week? We've always been really dialed in. And so... What I realized, the practical, so in in terms of COVID also being a gift, from a practical perspective, in November of 2020, with the national shutdown of wedding venues, we realized that it didn't make sense for us to try to push and work on Friday because there just weren't enough venues that were up and running that even they were there mm -hmm. on Friday. So from a practical perspective, we just said, you know what, let's see what happens. Let's take three months to see what happens if we work a four-day work week. Now, what I told my staff is this is an experiment and we may find this precipitous drop in productivity. And if we do, guess what? We're coming back on Fridays because there are level, there are goals that we have for ourselves from a product from a pro productivity point mm -hmm. of view and from a profit point of view that we have to hit. If we're not hitting them on a four-day work week, we're coming back on Friday. And so what I have found, I think what we all find, is that work expands to fit the time you give it. And the reality was that everyone found if they really dialed in and worked as absolutely smart as possible, then that first three months we realized, okay, we're feeling really, really good, and the numbers look really good. So we expanded it for another three months. And then we realized, okay, not only were the numbers looking good, and we, we were feeling every one of us was saying, I, I mean, we're, this, we're 42 women, all 42 of us. 
all 42 women are responsible for their homes, for their families, and their work. And all of a sudden, we had an extra day to get it all done. We had an extra day to work on side hustles, which is what I do. I have a book podcast. I just work work on it on Fridays. And so I had an extra day to work on that. We have an extra day to do all the things that we want or need to do. And also to take some time on our own. So then when we come back on Monday, we're much more refreshed. That meant they could dial up even further on their productivity, work even smarter because they're coming in feeling really refreshed and energized. So as we did these, like I I kept bumping it out by three months, three months, let's see, let's see. And then finally, by the time we got to the end of 2021, I just said, you know what, you're going to have to, you you are going to have to claw this four day work week from my cold dead hands because it is so good (laughs) for our company from a numbers perspective and from a perspective of what it was doing with my staff. It also is an incredible differentiator when people are trying to figure out where they want to work. It's a Mm -hmm. really big value add. It's a huge reason when I do my annual conversations with every member of my staff. I get one-on-one with everybody. And the number one thing that they will say when I ask, like, how would you convince someone to work at Here Comes the Guy? What's the, you know, what's kind of the first thing that pops in your mind? Well, they're like, the, I mean, obviously the four-day work week is a huge thing. There's a lot of other things, but that's huge. And so the value that is it has added and the fact that I can see in the numbers our increase in productivity Mm. makes me so glad that we took the chance. And that's really, when people ask me how, if if I'm interested in doing it, I'm scared to do it. The best way to do it is to try it out for finite periods of time, communicate radically authentically about the fact that this is an experiment and let people know the metrics you need to see in order to keep it going. Like, radical authenticity and transparency with all of my staff. They're all owners. So I treat them like adults and say, look, we either, if if we hit this, we'll keep doing it. If it doesn't work, we're going to go back to the way, you know, it worked before. And, and everyone decided, you know what, we really want to make this work. All right. We're going to pause this conversation here. Uh, go to the Fridayhabit.com. There you can find show notes for this episode. Uh, there you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. At the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit System that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear next week's episode, subscribe so you get notified. Uh, also, leave us a review in Apple Podcast app uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to potentially be on one of our episodes uh, with a question you ask us, Go ahead and record a quick message in your phone, voice memo, and email it to hello at the Friday Habit.com. Until next time, live every day like it's Friday. <laughs> <laughs>